On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are talking about basketball. That's what we do. We're basketball mm. guys. That's what mm. the show is. If you're lost, uh, if you're listening Catch to the up. show. Here yeah, we if, are. If you're listening <laughs> to the show expecting us to talk about something else, what are you doing? Uh, we're talking about the playoffs, Tate. We got, we, it's been a little while. We had last episode, we talked about uh, the legendary coaches that have passed. I think that the one before that, we were doing some uh, heavy, co- there's heavy college basketball news. A mm-hmm. lot of happenings. Which, by the way, there's still a little college. There's still some happenings. There's some scoops out there. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. uh, Asheville Invitational doesn't have quite the same pop as the Maui Invitational. Let's put it that way. But, uh, but it, but it, and it does have the same amount of chances of us being there. So that, yeah, I'll let you pop to it. We're going to save that for the end. I want you to talk me into the Asheville, the the Maui Invitational (laughs) live from Asheville, North Carolina. We're going to call it the Roy Williams Invitational by the time we get out of this whole thing. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to talk about the playoffs. Uh, two game sevens happened, two close game sevens. One game seven was maybe the worst game seven I've ever seen in my life. Just <laughs> horrible, horrible basketball. It got the NBA fans, the NBA media gave it the ultimate insult in their eyes, which is they called it a college basketball game. Mm. <laughs> That's what people were saying. They're saying, is this college basketball? Uh, but one of the other game seven, the Jazz Nuggets game I'm talking about, was pretty awesome. And uh, we're not going to talk about the final shot because it it hurts. It, it really, mm. really hurts what mm. happened there. But um, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the other series, I guess, going on right now are the Milwaukee Bucks frauds. Should we do a frauds power ranking? Because that seems to be uh, – anytime <laughs> someone loses, it's like fraud. And then uh, that I, I enjoy that. Um, there's a ton to get to. We're going we're gonna to break down all the playoffs. OG Ananobi hit the big shot. We just got yes, done watching that. a bubble that. breaker finally yep. comes through for us. We needed one. Uh, we're going to get to all that, but first – Woody Durham. Hey, All right, so let's start with these game sevens. Uh, first of all, for the first time in NBA history, the phrase "win or go home" actually applies here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I that dawned on me as uh, it was really before the game seven when Jamal Murray was talking about how he packed all of his bags, and then he was like, <laughs> "Wait, I'm not ready to leave yet." And then he said he unpacked mm-hmm. his bag and and all that. Um, I realized the phrase "win or go home" actually applies because a lot of times it doesn't apply. A lot of times, like the home team, if the home team loses. Or if the home team wins, they still go home and wait for the next year. You know, it's not always it's not always true. It's not always that one, simple. Yeah, but now but this we're time, in the bubble. It's, yes, it's literally is. win or go home. And uh, yeah, it, and we had two great game sevens. And by great, I mean close. There was only one great game seven. Mm. Should we start with the great one in your mind, or yeah. should we? Should we? Go, okay, we we want to start with the I great think so. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the first one, the Nuggets Jazz game. Uh, Nuggets come back from down three one. First of all, um, the. It, it, I don't I don't know how to 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 sum up my feelings on it. Like it, it, the lack of the fans is really killing like the the stakes. The um, I don't know how to say it, but like like it, the, the Nuggets came down from three one, and it didn't feel like they came down from three one. I'll put it that way. Like mm-hmm. like while I'm watching them win, it didn't feel like people were still making the jokes and all that, but it just didn't feel the same because they didn't have to go on the road and win like games they shouldn't. You know, like they didn't have to do the deal with all the adversity it was so just you're like, saying an asterisk is what we're looking for yeah, here. yeah kind of okay. i'm kind of i'm kind of like i realized i don't know and then i'm watching Ian and Obi's shot tonight and like not having it's it's really bummer it doesn't feel like the playoffs i guess is my big takeaway like it feels like the games are good the product is good uh but 
I didn't realize how much I missed fans. Who thought that I would miss NBA fans? Who thought I would say those words that like I miss mm. I miss Drake, I think is what I'm getting at. I miss seeing Drake on the <laughs> I miss Mike courtside. Bray. Mike Bray yeah. being courtside is is the person that I'm looking for in all of these games. But you're right. I mean, there is a a little bit of this like you like these moments have a a certain amount of gravity when you can look around and see the faces of exuberance and just everyone kind of realizing the magnitude of the moment, but instead when an OG Ananobi hits a shot with 0.5 seconds on the clock you know what I mean? We're all at home and we feel that moment, but he walks away stone cold and the team is celebrating, but he's kind of like, I expected to make the shot. I make the shot. Yeah. I mean, that's OG's personality at some level, but like you said, I mean, it's not the magnitude of the moment and, and that's something that we've missed, but we've seen so many great shots and so many magnificent moments and we almost got, we basically got the new version of the Gordon Hayward, which was the Mike Conley pull up three, the moment in time I felt it, you felt it, America felt it. It went all the way down, it was and, a- and, and it broke my heart, and it broke my heart. And I blame the rims. We need soft Maui rims. If there's anything, that, <laughs> yes. if there's anything I learned about that shot, we need softer rims. Yeah, the, the picture, uh, I forget who it was that tweeted the picture of Kawhi's shot last year mm-hmm. and Conley's shot this year. And like they said, like, this ball went in, this ball did not. And there was a comparison. And that just broke my heart into a million pieces because – Mike Conley needed this. Mike Conley needed this more than the Denver Nuggets needed this. <laughs> I needed this. We all need America needed Quinn this. Snyder needed this. Yes. Like if that shot goes down at the but that whole sequence was wild, by the way. So where do you stand on uh, the Nuggets going for the layup there? Because I think a lot of people killed it. Uh, it, it, it to me, it felt like it's probably not the right play. Maybe they should have like pulled it out and, and whatever. But like this was this was classic Captain Hindsight in my eyes because. Uh, to me, I'm watching it, and everyone's like, why did they shoot that layup? And my response to that is because they thought they were going to make it. Like, Torrey mm-hmm. Craig thought, I'm mm-hmm. going to make this. It's a wide-open layup. Not wide open, but um, – so I thought, like, killing him for that. Because if, if he goes in, if it's a, it's, it's a, you know, it's a layup from an NBA player who's not – it's a starter, a guy who mm-hmm. starts NBA minutes and has a layup. And if it goes in, they 100% win the game. Uh, so I didn't have a problem with it. But did you were, – were you one of those guys that was watching this? Like, what are you doing? Pull it out. Oh, no, absolutely not. But in that moment in time, as soon as Torrey Craig went up for the layup and it came out, it just felt like, oh, my God, we're going to have that. That is the old school goat, you know, which is the lower the yeah. lowercase version of go, yeah. which we love on this program. And if that happens and Mike Conley comes down and this alternate reality and he hits that same shot, that same pull up three and they win this game and Donovan Mitchell was vindicated and it all comes full circle. It did feel like that was sort of where we were leading to in that moment in time, like in that it, it felt a lot longer than it was. But as Mike was dribbling down it was like oh this is a pull up three this is a moment uh ball don't lie I I can see it especially the full circle of like we remember when you know Jamal Murray takes the video at the start of the series of Donovan Mitchell after he drops 57 and he's kind of like look at this guy that we just beat it seems like that that could have come full circle there on the other side of that but instead Jamal Murray's picking up Donovan Mitchell and that's the end of the series and uh that's what I hated I just it felt like a great setup for redemption and uh maybe next year Maybe next it just year. felt like, like, uh, yeah, Mike, Mike needed that. Man, Mike, Mike needed that. It just, it just, it, how many times do you get an opportunity in your life, Tate? It's game seven. The, the it's, it, that is literally the shot you practice in your driveway. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not just the buzzer beater. It's if you win, if you make it, you win. If you miss it, you lose. And it's game seven. And like, I don't know. And it was halfway down. God damn it. Uh, should he have passed to Donovan Mitchell? That's the other criticism because I, I am firmly in the – there was not enough time. That was a good shot. Again, like 
it was halfway down. I, what, what was Donovan Mitchell going to do? Turn it over again? <laughs> Here's what you have to say to Jazz fans. It was a better shot than Ricky Rubio would have taken in that moment. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's who would have been there if it not Mike Conley. And Donovan right. Mitchell, the play before, I mean, Gary Harris played. I don't feel like we talk about Gary Harris enough. He was playing great defense on Donovan yeah. Mitchell. He helps with that steal right there. They popped the ball out. And so Donovan Mitchell in possession before had the chance. He doesn't get through with it. So Mike Conley in the moment has to take the shot. Don't blame Conley. Maybe that's why maybe that's why the three one thing doesn't stick as hard for me is because like Gary Harris came back and Gary Harris is good enough to like swing a series. But also like yep. it wasn't like the, the the Nuggets were dominating or the Jazz were dominating the Nuggets. Like the, like Jamal Murray was out of this world. And if you would have after game four, if you would have told someone the Nuggets are gonna win the next three and win this series and Jamal Murray's going to ball out, I don't think anyone would have been like, wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. How, how, you know, I don't mm-hmm. see that happening. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just weird because it, it was a, a 3-1 deficit, and I just – my mind goes back to 2016 when that was the that was hot in the streets. The, yeah, that was the meme. That was that the, was, that was the that, meme. And I'm sitting there watching did. it unfold, and I'm like, man, this doesn't seem like as impactful. And I don't know if it's because we saw it so often in 2016 or if it was just the bubble atmosphere. I don't know what it was, but like I'm, the Nuggets won and I was like, wow, what a great series. And the whole 3-1 part didn't really hit me. It wasn't really like, wow, what we just witnessed from the Denver Nuggets is crazy. You know? It's, so. And it's crazy because like we did have, like in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I think of Clay Thompson and OKC in that game six, you know, and I think about yeah. a 3-1 comeback. And then obviously we think about game five, Draymond moment, LeBron and right. the Cavaliers winning in the Bay game seven. And those seems like so the, the magnitude, right? But they're obviously in those settings, so that's why I feel like in my head I, I can it. place yeah. it better, right? Like I can I can place the moment and say I remember this because of this and the impact of that. But in the bubble, they all kind of run together a little bit. Like Devin Booker shot against the Clippers, I feel like that was a playoff shot, but that was just in the eight and no Suns you know, <laughs> right, bubble. Right? Right. Well, yeah, like like you said, if if this happens in outside the bubble, if a three, if you're down three one outside the bubble, you have to win a road game and it. Yeah. The team, you have to win a game at some point where the other team is playing at home and they can close out the series in front of their home fans. Uh, and then you win, and that's like that's an impactful moment that we all remember. It's like, oh my God, they went on the road, their backs against the wall, they did what they had to do. Now we have a series. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see what happens again. You know, like all those beats. Also, I might, I, I should say maybe something to do with playing so quickly, playing every other night. Like you don't have enough time to like really digest the stakes. And like, you, you know, you, you sit here and think like, okay, the, the, you know, as we sit here right now, we're recording this uh, Thursday night, the Bucks are down 2-0 to the Heat. And mm-hmm. normally we would have what, like two or three days to be talking about this. And man, how are the Bucks going to rally? What's going to happen? And tomorrow they're going to play. And it's like all those thoughts about being down 2-0 or throwing out the window because now the Bucks are either down 3-0 or it's 2-1, you know, and you never really have time to stop and think about it. It's like on to the next game. Um, which isn't great for for talking heads like us who want to like break everything down and call people frauds and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and have the full news cycle of the whole moment. And yeah. also, you know, that's the funny part. I feel like in the playoffs, especially the, the heightened version of things, which is like one game happens, Lou Dort goes 0 for 9 or whatever it was the game before in game six, yeah. and then immediately he's a bum. This guy's a bum. Like, throw him out. <laughs> yeah. He's trash. You know, and then game seven comes around, he drops 30 points. And like that turnaround, like the three days, you know, like you said, it was more like it would fest a lot more so you would hear yeah. more of this nonsense and now like Jamal Murray you know they win game seven they have this moment of embrace with him and Donovan Mitchell great sportsmanship moment good for everybody everyone enjoys that and then immediately you know SVP's asking him he's like and you got you know gotta get ready for the Clippers <laughs> yeah. coming up and he's like in two days uh-huh. what? Huh? Yeah. like yeah. absolutely stalled by the whole moment and I think yeah. that sort of says it 
uh, in and of itself is because like he can't even enjoy the moment. He just packed his bags like he's on Survivor and just Jeff yeah. Probes might send him home or Amazing Race or whatever it is. And now he's going to go back and play a whole By the new way, series. We, we, it, we, they need that for game seven in the bubble. We need like the Bachelor when they go on the two-on-one dates. Yeah. NBA and, Entertainment. This is the they, moment. We need this to see the luggage this. sitting in the locker room. And it's like, not even in the locker room, like load up the buses. Both buses are loaded up to go yeah. to the airport. And the loser just gets immediately on the bus. They don't even shower. Put their asses on the bus. Get them out of there. Right I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of the story. Uh, game seven, Jimmy Butler did not pack his bags. So like everyone else, everyone else has packed their bags. You know, Miami Heat's going into game oh, yeah, seven. Yeah, and yeah. that's the okay. story that leaks out. Like after the game, they're like, Jimmy Butler refused to pack his <laughs> bags. He would not go home. And the Miami Heat come through and win this series. That is, that's the headline because, like, that's the drama that we need. Michelob yeah. Ultra is already behind this. Um, yeah, Jimmy Butler. I, I, I wrote this down to talk about later when we're talking about the Bucks uh, Heat series. Jimmy Butler having a Michelob Ultra commercial. The Heat are the only undefeated mm. team in the playoffs right now. It, do you think there's some conspiracy, some trickery at play here? Like, why does Jimmy Butler get, is he the only NBA player that gets a bubble commercial? Um, and now his team's undefeated. Now he's like kind of the, the bell of the ball, the bell of the bubble, so to speak. Yeah, the six and zero feels like the Jordan six rings for the Miami Heat fans. They are they are fully in celebration mode at the end of the last game. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler's walking off the court. Pat Riley's sitting there. And he's like doing a fist pump. Oh uh, yeah, with the timeline thing, Tate. Like the fact that we just watched the Nuggets play tonight. I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, uh, I didn't have time to like really digest. It, it just seemed weird because like it's still fresh in my mind watching the game seven and and. I, I need time to exhale, and and I, f- I feel like the Nuggets needed time too because they got absolutely smoked tonight by the Clippers. And, and you can see the writing on the wall for that. I mean, even the, the like Jokic, like one. I want to shout out to the Bigs, like big fan of the Bigs, and you know for Jokic to have the game winning shot, it was not, uh, you know, smooth would probably be the right word. It was not necessarily smooth, yeah. but it worked. It got the job done. He gets thirty points. And somehow he's not even the main focus of the Nuggets when I'm talking about their team, you know. But he did hit the game-winning shot. I yeah. wanted to point that out. And it was a nice, like, post-up <laughs> moment. And it was against, you know, Rudy Gobert, the best defender in basketball. Yeah. And also, and also Mason Plumley getting in there at the end with a little bit of drama. So we needed to yeah. mention that as well. Yeah, isn't it ironic, Tate, that the game-winning shot was hit over Rudy Gobert in the bubble? And the whole reason we're in the bubble in the first place is because of Rudy Gobert, Bang. who was the first person Bang. to score in the bubble. Bang. Why did you not tweet wow. that? Why did, why did you not tweet that the immediately first, after the game? I just find it ironic that the first game seven loser was Rudy Gobert, who was also the whole reason we're here, folks. Uh, I love Jokic. I love Jokic so much because he, yeah. he, plays, he plays like he's hurt or, or like a little – he plays like he's a little – I mean, obviously, he looks like he's tired at all times, but he plays like he's kind of like – He's got the little, you know, like you kind of, you're hurt and you kind of like bob your shoulders up and down as you run and kind of like waddle a little bit. Um, And every shot that comes out of his hands looks like an accident. It Mm -hmm. looks like it like kind of slipped out and like, Mm -hmm. ah, like, like he looks like, he looks like a guy, if if you just showed him shooting the ball and don't show where the ball goes, he looks like a guy that's going to go immediately to his shorts and start wiping his hands. Like when the the way it comes out of his hand and it goes in and he's great. And you're like, this is unbelievable. And and it's like a smooth, beautiful hook that has like perfect rotation on the ball. And you're like, well, you're like, what is this? Uh, What kind of like, like magic is this moment? Uh, And he can make it work. I want to tell you why no one was talking about Jokic, even though he hit the game winner and was the one who like kind of carried the nuggets in game seven. Uh, It's because Murray versus Mitchell defined the series series and not just because both those guys had what well, they both had multiple 50 point games in the series right yeah. first time yeah. this has ever happened in nba mm-hmm. history uh 
but they're both young, Tate. And, and this was an opportunity for NBA media people. I've, I'm calling you out. I've noticed this is the new, the new trend. Uh, you say the league is in good hands. Anytime anyone <laughs> younger than – if you're like 26 or younger and you do anything, you just quote tweet it. You like wait for like the, the NBA reporter to say like, wow, Donovan Mitchell is the first player to ever have 61 points – is seven days apart and you know they, they get they give like a big 10 stat of the day and then you quote tweet it and you're like the league is in good hands moving forward this is the, the wow wow <laughs> yeah no no it's the it's the jerry west michael jordan stat they have where he had scored like 142 points during like yeah. a, a certain day span and then you get there and everyone's like oh my goodness the only person that i saw that said the league is not in good hands was lebron james he was like what are these young guys up <laughs> to like, I, yeah. but i mean like i it's, it's such a it's such a non-statement i don't understand the league is it like has there ever been a time in nba history where you've looked at the young crop and been like man we're screwed these guys suck this never happened. There's always mm. been like an up and coming crop of guys you get really excited about. That's mm. that's the cycle of the NBA. There's always the next LeBron, the next big guy, the next like there's always the next guy. I yes. don't understand why yeah, like some people would say mouse in the palace time, but at the same time, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James yeah. have just come into the NBA. So obviously and Yao Ming is there. I mean T Max. It's the most it's powers. the most nonsensical AI. thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Is like, oh my God, the NBA is in great hands. And it's like the NBA has literally been in great hands since Larry and Magic got into the league. And ever since then, they handed the baton to Michael, who handed the baton to whoever your next MJ of choices, probably Kobe or whoever. Kobe. You know. It doesn't yeah. matter. The point is, Tate, there's always, the NBA has always been a good hit. And I've, I've been seeing this a lot lately because a lot of young guys are balling out in the bubble and it's cool. And I, It's like, just can we find a new way to say that? Can we find a new way to be like, wow, I like the young guys we have right now. Do yeah, we have to say the NBA is in good hands? He's in good palms. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh can we talk about the uh the rockets thunder game which is the the game the series that promised to to tear this podcast apart you're a big okc guy i think i'm the last guy <laughs> to have a blue check mark and say i don't hate the rockets i kind of like the rockets uh th th this was going to be very contentious seeing how this series unfolded and then in the end game seven was such a dud that i don't think any either of us really cared do we like do mm. either i couldn't bring myself to even like get excited that my team quote unquote won this <laughs> i was like oh my god did anybody well, really to, win this <laughs> there used to be like in, in my life there was like two sides of ways to play basketball right there's the way that like you just play and have the better athletes and the better players and you win the game and and the officials yeah. stay out of it and then the duke way of playing basketball was like we're gonna take charges and we're gonna get the officials involved we're gonna have a middleman here to make sure that we can try to weasel our way into a win and then what happened in this game was like you you expect like two sides of the coin right you expect one team to be doing it this way one team to be doing it that way and the duke way is so pervasive in the game of basketball at this point that chris paul and james harden have been were at the point where they were just trying to manipulate the officials to decide the outcome of the game and the basketball wasn't even involved it was basically like i have to take this charge to get this moment chris paul was able to manipulate the officials to get a review which then got a free throw which then he gets gallinari up there who i mean the most nervous free throw of his entire life, I'm sure. Misses oh, oh can I stop you there? Why is Gallinari taking that free throw? Why is it not Chris Paul? Because guess what happens? Chris Paul looks at the numbers, right? He looks at his stat sheet and he yeah. looks at his roster and he says, who's the best free throw shooter on the team by the numbers analytically? 
Gallinari. Gallinari, you are got to go out there you and want do no your part job. Of that, though. He wanted no part of that. But but that would not be that would be a prideful mistake if he were to do that, Mark Titus. If Chris Paul goes yeah. and takes that free throw and misses the free throw, then he says to himself, kicks himself down the road and says, Why did I not give that shot to Gallo? I think yeah, I I think the reason he had Gallinari take it is so he could keep his eyes peeled for like any sort of violation he could point out to the room. Yeah. Lane violation. Hey, sir, the the bench is standing up. They're supposed to be sitting down. That's a reshoot that one. That's that's. uh, Has there ever been a player in NBA history that's known the rule book as well as Chris Paul does? I mean, it's it's staggering how well that guy. It's it's so it's always hilarious when you get the shot of uh, because towards the end, oh my god, this is why everyone said it was college basketball. The last five seconds took forty-five minutes of play. Yes. Um, but at one point, as you said, Harden is working the refs as Chris Paul is working the refs. They're both just like losing their mind. They cannot believe the turn of events that led to this moment <laughs> in time where the refs could be so wrong. And it's just a hilarious like snapshot because there, there, was, there was one part where the camera angle showed both of them yelling at the refs. And I was like, this is so great because it's, it's, the guys are on opposite teams. You would think that one of them would be a little less upset about what you think is, there'd be one guy yeah. clapping, being like, good call, ref. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. guys it's that are it's like, both guys that are... don't know how to call the game properly because based on the rule in the rule book, I have done this. Yeah. And that means that it's this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Chris Paul was yelling at the ref. He's like, you technically are right, but you're, you're almost wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> and like that, <laughs> you can't even be happy. Uh, also, like, I love, I love the end of the games now. Like, it's, it's become habit for, all the players yeah the moment the, tape, the moment something it. happens the moment yeah. a whistle blows they just yeah. they just spin their finger and they're they like, look at their it. coach and like the coach has to play a game of like who's my top two guys that i trust that i know like if Giannis looks over to the bench at Budenholzer and he's like review it he's like i gotta review it did it to nick nurse he's like review it and nick nurse is like i gotta review it even though we all kind of know in the moments like there's yeah. pride behind that decision but you have to review it that reminds me of a ohio state game i was at uh, uh during the Chris Holtman era, it was one of the last few seasons, whatever. I'm, I'm sitting behind the bench, and uh, Holtman loses his mind at a call. And he's like, mm-hmm. what do you do? It was probably – I don't know who it was. Jay, well, they'll say Jamie Lucky. That's the first official. Does he even do Big Ten? I don't think he does. Let's say Carl uh, has. Carl, Carl has. has. Carl has makes a lot of sense. He's like, Carl, what are you doing? This is horse shit. He's, going, he's losing his mind at Carl. He's like, review it, review it, losing his mind. Uh, and then he turns around and he says the because because the players were going crazy. He turns around to the coaches and he goes, "I missed it. What happened?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, I love it, coach. I love it." He's like, I, "Was that a good call? Was it not? I have no idea what just happened." <laughs> I mean, they, there's such a way to work the officials, and I find it fascinating. Like watching Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens and the way that they do it is, uh, it's almost very like yeah. I, I thought we were best friends. Like I can't believe yeah. you're doing this, Matt. Matt, come yeah, here. Matt, Brad, come, come. Yeah, Brad like, really does do the like. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I. Uh, you I know, thought you were I, gonna call it better game tonight. No, you know? it's fine. No, make the call. I just, you know, if you don't get a Christmas card from me, just don't, don't wonder why. That's all I'm gonna say. That's it. That's like this whole attitude towards it. Uh, so the end of this game. I, I guess the one positive is Lugan Stewart, uh, who is comes out of nowhere as you said is has not been playing particularly well on the offensive side he's been giving james harden a little bit of fits which like oh he's had some good defensive games yeah but he hasn't been lighting it up offensively but like he's been making his impact because he's been frustrating james harden making james harden uh shrink in the big moment game seven that was certainly the case but on top of it lugan Stewart drops 30 points uh big 10 stat of the day even though he's an arizona state guy 30 points is the most in game seven for a player 21 years or younger 
ever. So there's that. Uh, hang the banner in Arizona State <laughs> on Arizona State's campus. Um, that was cool. That was cool. Like I do enjoy that about the playoffs. This seems to happen all the time. I did not have Lugan Store as my bubble breaker, but I now wish I would have because he he is definitively the bubble breaker, right? Like he's the guy that came out of nowhere. He's the guy that like if 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 we were doing bubble breaker rankings so far right now, like he had the biggest moment. He played out of his mind in Game Seven. He frustrated the one of the best scorers in NBA history. He frustrated him for seven games. That's that's got to be the 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 story of the series. Even though the Rockets won, it's like Lugan Stork came out of nowhere, and the Thunder, who had a one percent chance of making the playoffs, took a team with two MVPs to seven games. The 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 story is as simple as this: Chris Paul, what a job! You know, what a yeah. great job by Chris Paul. That's what that's what the the story coming. That's the whole point of the series. The fact that Chris Paul got it to a game seven says a lot about Chris Paul's leadership in the world of basketball. And I find it almost endearing that in a game seven, when James Harden, all we heard after game six was Russell Westbrook, get the ball out of it. He's garbage. He's trash. Get the ball out of his hands. Give it to James Harden. And then James Harden in game seven could not get a shot to fall. Was struggling. And then he wins the game, essentially, by dodging a ball. Like, you know what I mean? James Harden, you know, like jumping away, yeah. jumping up in the air when Lugan Stort is trying to throw the ball off of him. I mean, again, they get the ball back because Chris Paul's chicanery at the end and makes it all work. But, like, the fact that James Harden essentially won the game with a block on defense and then yeah. a dodge, I thought and that then, that was poetic at some point. But level. then also felt like that vindicated him just squirting out a massive turd that entire game. You know what I mean? Like, of course, like James, of course. come on. He, that, that doesn't... That, but that was James. That that was winning time with James Harden. You know what I yeah. mean? That was like what it will look like for him to win in that moment. And the fact that he celebrated right then because it was five tenths of a second left, if that is how it stands. He was like yeah. already like celebrating. Like, I finally did it, James Harden. I did it. I did the it. The, the, haters, the haters have to shut up forever. We beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in seven games. And in round to, one. The, the kudos to Chris Paul for like the determination and the fortitude to continue on in that moment. To, to see James Harden celebrating already and to say, I will get a free throw and I will get a call and we will get a chance. Um, yeah, that's a lot about Chris Paul. I got to say, Tate, the Rockets, they, they win game seven. They're, they're moving on. They're playing the Lakers. They're going to get smoked by the Lakers probably because uh, e- even though I am like one of the few guys left in this world who does not absolutely despise the Houston Rockets, I, I can't deny that they, they are mentally weak. I mean, like you're watching them. Game six, like the game on the line, Harden does not want the ball at all. Harden is like standing over in the corner, just shrugging his shoulders. Uh, game seven, it was – I, I've never seen a team so tight that like they're so much better than the Thunder on paper. They're so good. The Rockets like down the line, the the guys they got like PJ Tucker and Robert Covington and and I'm gonna you know they have two MVPs on their team. That mm-hmm. and I get that they don't play well together and they're both ball dominant uh, yada 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 whatever. But man, that it, it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch like. Harden just looked like a deer in the headlights. Like I, I he's he's literally one of the what five tight. best scorers of all time. Like and and he he just looks absolutely tight and, and not made for the moment. And then he he blocks one shot and he's like, "Suck it, haters!" <laughs> he's like, "I did it. Like, I told what? you. I told you." But that's as simple as it is. I mean, that's yeah. that's like they were one. Like if if somehow OKC inbounds the ball and doesn't just throw it away to Stephen Adams and they inbound it at Darius Baisley or Lugan's daughter, someone yeah. hits a, a shot like OG Ananobi hits and they go home. 
James Harden, uh, the Rockets are done. Like that iteration of the Rockets, like that whole team they is blow it up. They yeah, D'Antoni gets fired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, D'Antoni's contract's already up, so like, it, oh, yeah, it's, but, it's a know, it's a wrap. Whatever. It's a wrap. The whole thing's a wrap. And uh, that pressure, like OKC, if anything, OKC should have leaned into it um even even more than they did and it's crazy because chris smart out uh, chris paul outsmarted himself in the sense where he was trying to use the tic tacky shit to to win this game and yeah. he had the shot like he had a shot that he left short and it was because he was so worried about getting the foul call you know yeah, I mean? right 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 right, right. <laughs> so so City, i will say the thunder are the first team i think in nba history to lose game seven and still win the series uh, yeah, because truly, like <laughs> really. the pr the pr war like if you just read twitter you would think okc won the series yeah yeah, yeah because like the rocket yeah that, that's what was that what was so f- stupid about james Harden like celebrating and the rocket being happy it's like dude you lost a long time ago you lost when this game even went to seven games you lost. i mean I don't know. I, I, that's my, I, I, there's no way the Rockets are going to give the Lakers anything, right? Like there, it, there's no way it's going to be. I believe. I don't know. I believe. I believe maybe. six games, maybe, maybe uh, six games. The, the other thought I had finally is uh, Steven Adams. If you go back and watch, like, I think, I think Mark Jackson mentioned this live in the broadcast. Cause I was screaming. I, the, the, the person I'm watching the game with, I turn and I say, here's what's going to happen on this play. Because uh, the, the, the Thunder are down two, right, at the very end on the, on the last play. Uh, I said the Rockets, in the Rockets' mind, the only shot the Thunder are going to take here is a three because the Rockets don't think there are any other shots in basketball but threes. So the Rockets are going to sell out, defend the three-point line, make sure they don't lose the series. And I said, Steven Adams is going to set a screen for fill-in player here, Chris Paul, Shea, Dort, whoever it may be. He is going to be wide open for a slip. All they have to do is throw it up at the rim, and Steven Adams can catch it and dunk it, and we're going to overtime. That's what I expect to happen. And then when Mark Jackson says, like right before the play, he says, look for Steven Adams to slip. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I hate that Mark Jackson and I are on the same page about this. The but marks, the, right on the mark. Yeah, but then the play unfolds, and Steven Adams could not – like the, the, first of all, they have the first last, set, the, the first last play. Um where Steven Adams had – like, P.J. Tucker's guarding him. He's on the wrong side of him. Steven Adams has probably a 10-foot radius to, of no one in his way that they could have just thrown it up. He could have caught it and dunked it, laid it in. Uh, is not even looking for the ball at all. The sequence happens. It takes 45 minutes. Fast forward to the actual last play where Steven Adams fumbles the ball. Exact same thing if you pause it when he set his butt screen at the elbow. All he has to do is like – like, I'm not saying it was like a no-brainer. He had an obvious dunk. But, yeah, like if the guy just like peels towards the basket, you could throw the ball up and you assume that your seven-footer could just catch it and dunk it because he was open. Uh, that was very frustrating. Very, very frustrating to watch because Steven Adams wanted no part of that final play, and I just wanted to point that out. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's also crazy, too, because OKC is the best crunch time team in the NBA, and that's, like, what they're built for, and they kept saying yeah. that throughout the broadcast. They're like, this is what OKC does. They're OK clutch. And that moment in time, like, Chris Paul is second in the NBA in clutch time points. I call it crunch time, but I guess clutch time is what they're calling it now. So in that moment in time, you're thinking OKC has a play drawn up. They obviously – you know, go out there and look and see what the defense is and try to draw something up. And then it was just pure chaos at the yeah. end. And uh, for a team that's so well-organized all year, 
Um, it, it makes no sense uh, to be quite honest with you, but I, I feel like that ball don't lie at the end of the day and they should have never even had the ball out of bounds and they should have never even had that moment in time and that chance. So I think that's yeah. why, uh, it all played out that way. Uh, the, the big takeaway though, is I'm watching all this unfold before like the final stretch of the game and the flopping and all that it's, it, it was Lugan Stewart. Lugan Stewart is the star of the series. Uh, James Harden is the best player on the floor technically. Mm. And yet he's not even – he's supposed to be the, the, the best player on the floor. He's not even the best Arizona State alumni, Tate. That, that mm. was the, the shocking part, the, the shocking turn of events. We have Arizona State versus Arizona State. I'm watching this unfold. I'm texting our, our former Ringer colleague, uh, Zach Schwartz, who's the only Arizona State va- basketball fan I know that who, who has ever lived. Uh, he's losing his mind. And I thought we should have Zach Schwartz on the show because I feel like he deserves this. As an Arizona, there's there's really going to be no other time that we're going to need an Arizona State fans take on on what happened last night. But the fact that you had two Arizona State guys going mano a mano in Game Seven with with the entire basketball world watching, um, yeah, it just felt like a special moment for Arizona State. So <laughs> we call him. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Joining us now is our former Ringer colleague. Uh, he is an Arizona State. He, he is currently, for those of you listening, he, is, he, he has sunglasses on inside. He's smoking a cigar. He has an Arizona State shirt on, and he's got a little liquor in his cup. He, he looks very, very happy. His name is Zach Schwartz. You can, you can find his work at Yahoo. Uh, he, he hosts a show called Dunk Bait that yes, I've sir. been invited to come on. I think 40 times and 40 times I've been told, wait, we got to bump you. I'm sorry, we can't have you on. <laughs> Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll cover that later. Swaggy P is coming on. Sorry, yeah. Titus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zach, here's what we want to know. So all the talk last night was Lugans Dort versus James Harden. <laughs> it's Arizona State versus Arizona State. For one moment in time, the entire basketball world was locked in on the Sun Devils. You were formerly a part of the Arizona State basketball program. Yeah. You, so you're, you're kind of on their level. You're an Arizona State basketball alum yourself. I am. Uh is this, would you say, the biggest moment in Arizona State basketball history? We're, we're a blue blood now, right? That's how this works. <laughs> it, it counts. We're in. This for sure is the biggest moment we've ever had. This is as close to the title as I'm going to get. So I'm celebrating. Got the cigar. <laughs> got a nice little Cuban here. This is great. It's, uh, it's been a lot of dark times for us. And it was tough earlier in that series because they were just letting Lou Dort shoot all the threes. And it was not going mm. super well for him. To see him go off in that game, and that Mark, uh-huh. you can go ahead and say it because I've shared some thoughts about Lou Dort mm-hmm. in the past. We want to go ahead and get that up. Yeah, that's what that's what I was going to ask. Is, is this the same Lou Dort that when he was at Arizona State, you said this guy's a bum? He thinks he's going to go to the league. He's, oh. he's going to be one and done. Yes, the I, same the yeah, same Lou Dort. Yeah, own that, Zach. What were you saying? Listen. I was just simply a guy that wasn't believing these articles that said, oh, he's going to suddenly learn how to shoot threes because he's going to move back further and the, the giant muscles he has, that'll differentiate a little bit differently in the NBA. And I'm well, Guess what? Guess what, Zach? It did. <laughs> it did. I didn't think it would, and it there did. Was yeah, yeah, you texted me that. You said uh, the dumbest take I've ever seen is that someone argued that when Lou Dort gets to the NBA because the line is further back, he'll be able to shoot better. Yeah. And you're like, what kind of moron? <laughs> who, who is this moron? Have you reached out to this moron? Have you said, I'm sorry, I was wrong? His name's Billy Donovan, and I owe him an apology letter. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I knew he was a good defender, and he could score 
pretty well at ASU, but I didn't think it would be this quick that we'd see him make an impact. I loved that he was like the Harden stopper. It broke my heart that James Harden was just like yelling in his face, taunting him. Um, Didn't love seeing, you know, Sun Devil on Sun Devil crime. Never good. But I don't know. When was the last time either of you two gentlemen had had two, you know, alums just dueling it out in a playoff game? That is true. So I certainly, Mm. you know, that other school down the road, uh, that one in uh, Tucson. Tucson. I, I don't think Derek Williams and uh, and Aaron Gordon ever had that duel in the playoffs. That's a great point, Zach. I, I can't remember the last <laughs> time that two Zach, Ohio Zach, State, that was not a great point. Two Ohio State guys were, were going mono a mono <laughs> in, in a game of seven. My question to you, though, is do you feel like – is this ultimately good for Arizona State? Because it sort of feels like you won the battle, but you're going to lose the war because <laughs> – the, the way Arizona State ultimately wins is if James Harden wins the is the big winner. No. Yeah, like he's got to win that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's cool that you had that no, moment. But like, this is Arizona State. Yeah. He just has to, he yeah. has to win games. <laughs> Thank you, Tate. Tate knows. Yeah. Now, what I, I, yeah. Mark, do you want to know what I thought you were going to say? I thought you were going to say, now, Zach, do you feel personally responsible for all of this success? And the answer is yes. I really hustled mm-hmm. when I was a manager there, made some mm-hmm. great Gatorade in my time. Mm-hmm. They handed out a lot of scouts. Was Harden reports. there when you were there? No, he was there two years oh, after. Okay. I had nothing to do with his success. That is that is such a Tom Crean move of you, by the way. <laughs> to just be like, I... <laughs> one of my guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, and Dort also wasn't there when I was there. So, <laughs> <laughs> no connection. None, none, none. All my, all the guys, God bless them, that were in the league got their cup of coffee and are now doing other things. But um, you know, oh, I do want to say this is just mm. a building thing for us now listen i don't know if you know this but herm herm has built a powerhouse for football for us you don't get to see Mm -hmm. that this year but you will see bobby bags deliver as he Mm. did as he did with josh christopher as he did bagley oh goodness i like i like that you say bagley you don't say marvin because you're trying to trick everyone into thinking that like marvin bagley somehow (laughs) (laughs) he wants a do-over yeah, we got Bagley, everybody. He didn't have – there's no way he had as much fun at Duke as he would have had at, at ASU. So, come to have a do-over. Yeah. Mm, that's an absolute um, fact. Can can you break down – because you were there with Her- Herb Sendek, yeah. and I think a lot of our listeners, we know about Herb Sendek a little sure. bit. But just, just inside the Herb Sendek locker room, the fire, the passion, that's what everyone thinks of when they think of Herb Sendek. Uh, what was it like to be around him uh, 24-7 as a manager? Tough. Uh, I, I, you know, he's a bit like the beautiful mind. You know, the, the social skills yeah. weren't always there, but you knew X's and O's. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> you uh, just said, hold on. I just want to stop you right now. You just compared Herb Sendek yeah. to what, whatever the guy's name. I forget his name. It's Russell, the, the, Ru- the Russell Crowe plays. Yeah. The Russell Crowe guy from A Beautiful Mind. Yes. Okay. Okay, now continue. I just wanted to, to mark that. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble for some of this, but it's okay. Um, so... It was great. It was great being there. He's an odd guy. I'll share a quick, like, James Harden story. He came back during the lockout and ran with us and um, was great. It was awesome. It was, he, he ran with all of the walk-ons and just beat the, beat the absolute hell out of our starters, not even just scoring, just setting guys up. And um, I remember Coach just had a complete meltdown and starts screaming, yelling at me to get the water jug, and he's making some – point about you gotta have that burn in your lungs like when you're in ice water and he pulls the jug off i'm like oh good analogy don't do anything more with the ice jug and he just mm. puts his big bald head in there pulls his head out his eyes are all white his head's all red and james is just standing there like oh i, I, I broke this man this man has lost his mind now <laughs> because of me 
um, you know, there, there's a, a litany of, of herb stories um, that they can go around. Um, you know, a, a great guy, but just an odd dude at the end of the day. And, um, yeah. I'm technically I'm technically from the Herb Sendak coaching group. <laughs> yes. uh, Thad, Thad Mata is a Herb Sendak yes. disciple, so then I guess that makes me a Herb Sendak. But I but I'm in the Brad Stevens coaching tree right now yeah. because Brad Stevens is winning. So of course. Uh, so you you brought up Bobby Bags. You brought up that Arizona State is back. Sure. Uh, obviously, yeah. We we keep talking about last night, Lugans Dort, all exciting times. Make the case for Arizona State being the best team in the Pac-12 next year I'll, while we I'll, have you. I'll do one better. Because this – like, honestly, Zach, if, if, I have a feeling this is going to be the last we talk about Arizona State until you, next – You got to tell yeah. the people how many times I've texted you pitching, like, hey, let me just come on and – Yeah. Let me just yeah. come on and, and get all of your listeners to turn it off because they have, I'm yeah. going on and on about the, the, Yeah. Uh, I'll do you one better than saying that they're going to be the best team in the Pac-12. They're going to be one of the best teams in the country. <laughs> they're going to – all right, all right, turn his mic off. Come on, you guys, you guys, let me sit here just drinking vodka, for are you talking about... waiting to come on. Um, Zach, are you talking about like in December or are you talking about in March? Oh, how dare yeah, you? The pack, the pack 12 schedule is very difficult, Mark. It, it gets the best of it, mm. anyone. All right, you know what? Okay. Those are the dog days, and you have to go through the pack 12 grind. Yeah, it's, it's not easy to play at Boulder and then go play at uh, at a Utah. It's it's difficult. Mm. all of it but um mm. no I, I i think i think that josh christopher bagley duo is going to be ridiculous we're getting uh we're getting ridiculous remy, we're getting remy we're getting remy back to run the points yes. remy remy back. I'll, I'll give you yeah. that come on that's, 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 that's a good, good. thing that's, yeah, a good that's a huge thing. good yeah. how yeah. much okay. how much josh christopher did you guys watch how much high school tape because i'll send you some i think I'll, no, don't even answer i'll just send you some don't worry is about he the it. number one recruit in the country in my book in your book okay <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the book of zach and you know who's number two bagley mm. uh <laughs> you know it's been tough I think I just – I don't know how this year is going to play out just because the schedule is going to be different. Maybe that will help us because there seem to be issues where Coach Early kind of gets it, gets um, very comfortable with what he's doing in non-conference, and then the conference coaches just take him completely apart. So, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's Mr. December. We, we yeah. love him. Yeah. Listen, he does great in December. You, you take the December part out. Now it's just conference play. None of that happens. So, mm. you know, that's, that's the silver lining. I think the conference <laughs> is going to be not that great. Uh, mm-hmm. across the board so that's another thing kind of working in our favor but uh, I think Josh Christopher is is so goddamn fun to watch and I can't yeah. wa- wait to watch Remy we have no centers because <laughs> why do we need them so you know we're, we're like the Rockets and that's not here, at all here, problematic <laughs> here, here's ball. my promise yeah. to you Zach if if Arizona State after what what, what what's the deadline we're going to put there let's say like January 15th Yep. If you're ranked in the top 10 at any point after January 15th, okay. we will have you back on the show and you can just rub it in our yes. face how wrong yes. we were. You can hang the banner. Yeah, the you can hang the banner. We will hang yeah. the national championship banner for you. 2020 uh, national champs, and it's just a picture of Lugansdorf throwing the ball to <laughs> James Harden's legs. Uh, parting thoughts on this Lugansdorf breakout, <laughs> this this James Harden thing, Arizona State. This Again, this is probably the last time and sure. a full calendar year that like anyone will give a damn about Arizona State basketball. Oh, how dare you. Years. <laughs> Just, just make your pitch as to why, why this is, yeah, why things are happening in Tempe. You know, you know, you know, James, uh, his first year in the league, a little bit slow, but he got that MVP. 
Lou Dort, that's mm. that's the target. We're gonna get Lou his MVP. <laughs> we're gonna have, we're gonna have two MVPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will hang that banner. And if you thought me bringing the cigar was obnoxious, wait till we're in the top ten in January <laughs> and see see what I bring on the show then. And, um, in all seriousness, what is the best what is the best Arizona State basketball moment of all time? Is it the time you guys beat Arizona? <laughs> And rushed the court and got technical fouls called. So I was there. That was my senior year. Okay. Do you want to just quick story for that really fast? Yes. This might act. I won't get in trouble. What are they going to do? Okay. So you just look behind you for your parents right there. No, no. I looked. I looked. I looked to see if what I'm about to talk about is in my room, but it's it's in storage somewhere. Um, (laughs) So we beat Arizona. The fans stormed the court. Then we had to clear Mm -hmm. the court. We didn't get a tech. That would have been the saddest, most ASU way to lose Mm -hmm. that game. They storm the court again. I run up to the ref, take the ball, take the ball back. And one of the coaches goes, hey, make sure to go store that somewhere safe. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I just put it in my locker. And then another coach came up and was like, hey, where's the game ball? So I just handed him one off the rack. And they put it in, <laughs> they, they, they gave it to someone. I don't know if it went to the museum. I don't know if it went to one of the coaches. But that is not the game ball. I have the game ball from when we beat U of A. That was my parting gift. I decided to take that with me, my own little piece of memorabilia. No one has heard this. I mean, some people know this story, like managers and stuff, but yeah, that, <laughs> oh that, that ball is currently in uh, Hermosa Beach, California. It just... yeah, I was going to say, we usually call this segment Dirty Laundry, and it's supposed to be anonymous because we don't want to get people in trouble. But, yeah. Zach, I appreciate you coming out here and just be forward-facing. You're like, yeah, I did it. Oh, my yeah, God. <laughs> At this point, the, is, the coaching career isn't happening, so it's quite. That is the most. That, that really is the most Arizona State story ever for two reasons. Awesome. One, that you think that this is like a moment in history that you want a regular season Pac-12. You're like, oh my god, this is Barry Bonds hitting homer number seventy-three. Like yes. I gotta save this ball forever. Yeah. Uh, number two, that Arizona State would produce degenerates like you. Yes. That like, 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 yeah. If I could pick one school to have like the managers just be absolute degenerates and and just. Yeah, run up to a ref and steal the ball and all that. Yeah, like give, give me the ball, time, so. put it in the locker, open a beer back there, had a nice time. <laughs> so it left the ball in there for like two or three days because I wasn't sure who was going to ask for it again and then made it to it in my car. Well, now it's at home. The good news is nobody heard this story because they, they saw that we were doing 15 minutes on Arizona State basketball <laughs> yeah, and everyone, everyone turned the podcast off. So oh, I think you're still good. I still think you're not going to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for thanks for coming on thanks and, for having and, me guys. and and talking all things Sun Devils. Miss you <laughs> guys. Zach. Later. The grace period is over. If you're listening to this <laughs> and you've been saying to yourself, uh, this pandemic has given you an excuse to not work out, to sit on your ass. I was with you. I was with you for a very long time. We're six months in. It's time to get your ass in gear. Like I'm just calling a spade a spade. This is mm. this is you, you can't feel sorry for yourself anymore. You can't be just slamming beers and snacks and saying the world is ending. I don't have to care about my fit. Like it, it's just, just come on, let's get back to it. Get it's up. time. Get, get up. up. It's time. Up. Uh, but here's the question, Tate, how hard should you work? Because the worst thing that could possibly happen is you get off the couch. You're like, yeah, it's time to get back in shape. You try to run a marathon. You make it like four miles. You, your, your knees are hurting, your back's hurting, whatever. And then now you're out of commission for God knows how long. That is why that is what Whoop is for. Whoop, every morning I wake up, Tate, Whoop tells me how hard I'm supposed to work. Uh, I usually don't work that hard. Mm. And then I feel like crap. I, I feel like an absolute idiot for <laughs> letting myself down. But uh, that is what Whoop is for. Whoop, that is the thing I love most about Whoop. It says not every day you're supposed to be killing it. You're supposed to be recovering some days. You're supposed to be working hard others. 
and uh, it's great. It, it monitors your sleep. It monitors your, your workouts, your everyday stressors of life. And Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code Titus at checkout. Go to Whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter the code Titus to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and get your ass off the couch with Whoop today. Get off the couch. And we're also brought to you by Raycon. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're la- actually listening to, to be what you're actually listening to. Now what your roommates or your neighbors or your kids or significant other, whoever else are listening to, everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds started about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market and that they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts like Titus and Tate. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Brandy, J.R. Smith, and Mike Tyson, and they are obsessed with their Raycons. Now it's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Tate. That's buyraycon.com slash Tate for 15% off your Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Tate today. And finally, before we get to Zach Schwartz, we are brought to you by NHTSA. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the U.S. die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet, too. You could get arrested or incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving today? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. Designate a sober driver or call a taxi or an Uber. If someone you know has been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but one thing's for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Back to the podcast. All right. Thanks to Zach for coming on and, and spilling his guts on all things Arizona State. I thought, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that was a good idea or not, but. Um, no, Zach, Zach's the best. Like Zach came on to the ringer and he was the social media guy for the ringer. And he was like coming in for our NFL show. And the first thing he does is he walks up to me. I'm sitting there with Lombardi and he walks up and he goes, I got to talk to you about Arizona state. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I don't know who he is. And, uh, and then afterwards he's like, I just got hired here, but like, I love Arizona state basketball. I was a manager, you know, just like yeah. so enthusiastic. And I was like, man, this guy, I've never seen anything like this about Arizona that, state basketball. And here we are that's why i wanted to come on i think it's because like i don't know i don't know if that works for the audience but for me i have for the last three years dealt with this guy anytime arizona state does anything even like they win a football game against like a, a <laughs> tiny ass school they beat colorado and they're ranked yeah. in the country yeah and he'll text me he's like you take over forks up baby and i'm like <laughs> dude no one gives a single damn about air i promise you and uh and he keeps bugging me. He, he really bugged me to come on the show. He's just like, you guys got to talk more about it. You guys got to talk. I was like, Zach, if you ever do something that actually matters, I'll, I promise we'll talk about it. And then last night watching game seven, I was like, all right, I think this qualifies. I think Lou Dort balling out and James Harden. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this qualifies. Yeah, a, a game so. seven, 30 points from Lou Dort and James Harden finally getting vindicated, you know, in one moment in time. That it's counts. 
It's um, so thanks, Zach. Well, we will we, we will hold uh, our hold to our promise. If the the Sun Devils are ranked in the top ten, you can come back on, but only after <laughs> Mister December. Mister December has to shed his Mister December label, and he might be Mister February this year, depending on the scheduling. Like yeah, he might just yeah. get the second month, and yeah. then you know who knows. But uh, uh, we'll figure it out. Other playoff thoughts. Uh, should we talk about OG Ananobi hitting the 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 shot? What a shot that was! Huh? Yeah, yeah, Did you yeah. See this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are saying it's the the shot heard around the bubble. That's the headline you're gonna see from everyone, but. But yeah, OG Ananobi, uh, basically it, with five tenths of a second left, hits a three over the Boston Celtics. Before that happens, though, I want to talk about Kimball Walker because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we are a college basketball podcast. That is the point of this podcast. And Cardiac Kimba, the 2011 run, he's got Brad Stevens, who was, you know, uh, a guy that he saw in the tournament, understood. Now he's mm-hmm. his coach. And in this moment in time, Kimball Walker, everyone's like, he's going to take this shot. Of course, he has 21 in the first half. He's having a great game. And he goes for the pass to Daniel Tice. And it's a very, you know, Butler extra pass, Indiana basketball move. Mm-hmm. The, the Celtics get the dunk. And it just seems like it's over. No one's ever come back from 3-0 in NBA history. We made the joke about 3-1. But 3-0 is an actual death sentence. It is over. The, the series is over uh, at that point. Uh, the Celtics are going to win. And the fact that Kyle Lowry then throws a full, basically a cross-court path that lands right in the hands of OG Ananobi, who then hits the shot for them to win for one point. It saves the series, essentially. gives the Raptors new life. But, I mean, it was one magnificent play away from being completely over. And I think that uh, that's why it was so magnificent. The reaction to it was so weird, just how muted. Like, obviously, there are no fans in there. But even the, the announcing team, I feel like they needed to feed off the fans and they didn't have the juice per se. Like, like they, that, they, that didn't, legit- they didn't know if that there's like there's no way that he got that off, but he did. Yeah, yeah. he got it off. I mean, it was if, if the Raptors go on to win the title, and they're not going to, I don't think, just the way they're playing right now. Siakam is. Uh, I I texted you. <laughs> I texted you right before the shot. I said, "Is is Giannis or Siakam the bigger fraud?" And I was like, "We, we got to do a fraud power rankings because that's that's how the streets is uh, all the people talking about." the guys that are frauds that are losing and all that. But Siakam, in all seriousness, like he – I don't know. This was supposed to be the playoffs that, you know, they don't have Kawhi. They they have a better regular season without Kawhi. And it's like, man, are the Raptors better without Kawhi? And the only way you can make that answer be yes. I don't think they necessarily have to win the title, but you have to go – you have to, like, prove yourself in the playoffs. And the only way that was ever going to happen is if Siakam steps up and he's like – he fills that void where he's, like, maybe not a superstar, but he's – you know, there are multiple games in a series where he's the best player on the floor. And three games into the series, he's not even close to the best. He's not even the best player on the Raptors. And uh, I, I, I was just licking my lips, ready to rip the guy apart. And then OG Ananobi hits the shot. And, yeah, if, if the Raptors go on to win the title, they win back-to-back titles, they do it without Kawhi, this, this really might be one of the biggest shots in NBA history. And the reaction to it as it was happening was just like, cool we did it we won did we did we win we won you know mm-hmm. like the raptors players even like i don't know it was, it was a very bizarre thing and that was we've gotten very used to watching these games in the bubble and not having fans and all that but every so often moments like this happen and remind me oh yeah this is weird this is not how this is supposed to happen because that was just like a it was just like a i don't know it was, it, 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 the, the, it did not elevate itself like it should have it was not a uh I don't know. Does that make any sense? No, definitely. If you were in TD Garden, if you were in Boston and that shot happens, OG Ananobi hits that shot and you see the entire building collapse and fall in the moment and have the, you know, Boston people like to think that they're cursed in the sports world. Like to have the idea that we just had, like we were basically celebrating 3-0 and the series is ultimately over. We beat the defending champs. Then to have that happen 
And then uh, you talked about the muted emotion. I mean, OG's just that kind of guy anyway, so he didn't give much of a reaction. And then Kyle Lowry is, is like on this tip of like we got more business to take care of, right? So mm-hmm. like they were so set on almost playing like the game within the game, the head game with the Celtics about like this wasn't even uh, something that we celebrate. We expect to win this game. Yeah, we we yeah. shouldn't even been this position. Yeah. That that's what I kind of like about it. It's like the bubble. It, there's gamesmanship that goes on. Well, you know what I mean? I, I like that. I agree. Like act like you've been there before. Whatever. That's kind of cool and and badass and whatever. But at but the they're same trying time, to be. They're trying to be. But uh, yeah. but at the same time, like I, it would have been so much better if, as you said, if this game's in TD Garden. He hits the shot. He finds the one fan that was like talking shit to him all game mm-hmm. and just in his ear all game, and he turns to him and like just flexes it. You know, like there's some sort of like moment of just like or just he just puts his finger up to his lips and says, Shh, you know. Mm-hmm. What, just something i wanted something and yeah wave goodbye by, whatever yeah. it is uh and we didn't have that and that that's kind of it was just a weird weird feeling um by the way i'm i i'm glad that i was out on virtual fans from the start because that that thing has run its course has it not like, it, like what are we doing with the virtual fans still is mm-hmm. anybody is anybody now still into the virtual fans are, are the virtual fans into it you got to like they, they've completely lost the plot with who's the home team and who's not and you got Dwayne wade at a home game for the bucks as the celebrity fan and there's like a whole section i saw game seven of uh nuggets jazz or was it no it was thunder rockets like it's supposed mm-hmm. to be a rockets home game and there's like this massive section of thunder fans <laughs> and uh, well you're asking about who's in for the virtual fans it was the okc fans so i now i feel like since they are out of the bubble uh, yeah. the allure may not buy you know, it may not be there for for most of the people that want to watch these games but you're right i mean the, the atmosphere is not there they have like a vj in the building that's trying to you know pump in the sounds and make it feel like it's a real moment and all that sort of stuff but it isn't and uh these are the only times that you kind of have these regrets where you're just normalcy would be nice you know when it comes to basketball at this point but uh, Um, at least we're getting basketball real quick uh he heat up 2-0 on the bucks um is this a story of the miami heat jimmy butler being the the darling the 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 bell of the bubble as i said (laughs) um or is this a story of Giannis as a fraud and Giannis really is a fraud and we've been down this road before the bucks are just not not that good. Giannis has one move, and it's basically dribble to try to try to drive past guys and dunk on them. And it's cool when it's the regular season and guys aren't playing 100% defense. But then when guys actually try on defense, they can just take charges and make them kick it out to shooters who aren't that great of shooters, as it turns out. Is Giannis a fraud, Tate? Because that's that's I I was early on this a few weeks ago. I said I think America is going to turn on Giannis. I think. Luca being great is bad for Giannis because a, he is the new foreigner that everyone's going to love. <laughs> uh, everyone's going to be out on Giannis. I think the Bucks are going to choke. He's going to have one more year next year, right? He's got one more year on his contract. Same story again. And then he's going to leave, and then everyone's really going to hate him when he goes to Golden State or something. <laughs> and then everyone's going to be like, I hate this guy. Get this guy out of my face. That's Giannis what I, Ante- I call my shot. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the international Jordan, and I do think that Giannis Antetokounmpo is not a fraud. But it, well, he's a fraud if you think that LeBron James in 2007 was a fraud. I mean, and it's I like I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to go on the record as saying, "Yes." I want to go on record as saying, uh, "If you don't win the NBA championship." You're a fraud. You're, you're a fraud. You're absolutely a fraud. <laughs> that that is the the media world that we live in in the NBA circles nowadays. It feels like unless you're like a chosen one, like Luca, or it seems yeah. like Dame Lillard has now got and, that. In that, which that case, treatment. we just compare you to guys who were your age once upon a time. And we're like, 
Yeah. You're, yeah, you're, Steve, Ted, you're Steve franchise. We uh, do the yeah. big set stat of the day with it. No one at 21 and a half years old has ever scored mm-hmm. 43 and a half points in a series. Yeah. yeah um, that's what they're doing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, in all seriousness, uh, I'll dial the stick down a little bit. I don't, you know, Giannis obviously a great player, but like I, I have zero faith in the bucks and not even cause they're down too well. I was saying that at the start of the bubble, they were losing at the start of the bubble. They were losing at the start at the end of the first iteration of the NBA season before we even got to the bubble. They lost four straight games to the Raptors last year after going up two zero on them. Uh, there's not a lot to point to and say like, I believe in the bucks, right? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of evidence that the bucks should be believed in, in the playoffs. <laughs> It's so funny that you mentioned Siakam and you mentioned Giannis because I feel like and I have this weird gut feeling in my stomach that that's where Giannis is going to end up. He's going to end up in Toronto and it's going to be uh, Pascal Siakam and Giannis and they're going to be the Scott. Like, so basically this whole you know controversy happened today, which is you know Richard Jefferson and Jay Williams, they go for the takes and they say, hey, Giannis is more Scotty than Jordan um, from what I'm seeing. And then yeah. Scotty Pippen is basically like, uh, no. And you? You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's back to back MVPs. I never did that. Uh, also, I'm Scotty Pippen and what's going on here. And then, you know, Richard Jefferson and Great Jess says, you know, I'm Scott Perrell. Um, and, and that was all like a good moment. But it also set up for Giannis, like the narrative of Giannis. Is he Scotty? Is he Jordan? Mm-hmm. I am firmly in the camp that Giannis is your number one option if he is on your team. The man dominates the paint. Um, and when you are able like to what the heat have been able to do, keep him out of the paint and keep point paints away from the bucks, then they're going to have some problems. But I do think that Giannis is going to get out of Milwaukee. I think I agree with you in the sense, like this is the perfect Pat Riley, Miami heat, Eric Spolster upset, like with matchups yeah. and like having the perfect team to upset them. And then that lays the dominoes. And to be honest with you, the dominoes are being laid by Pat Riley to recruit Giannis to Miami. Now, this is, this the, is the recruiting. This is the yeah. pitch right here. It's yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, like come to a winning culture. I'll bring yeah, you down here. Like we have like five American white guys in our rotation, and yeah. we are kicking your ass. So enough said, Giannis. <laughs> yeah. Look at Duncan Robinson. Look Duncan at Tyler Robinson Hero. and Tyler Hero are killers. And uh, and Giannis is looking at Pat Connaughton and George Hill, and he's yeah. like, "What are you guys doing? <laughs> Help me out. Do something." Shout out Eric Spolster, by the way, uh, who's Great a guy coach. who I felt like I knew nothing about him. Uh, shout out Rafe Bartholomew, our former uh, colleague at, at Grayland, who uh, the best was was early on Eric Spolster. Because Rafe's like the Filipino yes. battle. Yes. It was like everything that's ever happened with any Filipino related to anything. And Spolstra is of Filipino descent. So uh, when Spolstra was hired in Miami, Rafe, I remember he was like, he's going to be good. And I was like, you mm-hmm. li- Rafe, you literally say that about every guy that's Filipino, every mm-hmm. single one. But I believe you, whatever. Uh, in my mind, I thought he was going to be like every other LeBron James coach, just the scapegoat that like, and they didn't win the title in, in 2011. It's like, all right, Spolstra's getting fired. And then they do win it and it's like, all right, well, cool, but he's still going to get fired. <laughs> and then the fact that he's still coaching in Miami, and he is one of the best coaches, um, I mean, I don't know. It's not like he needs me to, to, to point this out, but uh, it, is, it is pretty crazy to think that, like, all this time we thought that Spolster was being carried by LeBron and D-Wade and Bosh, but he really is, like, one of the best coaches in the league, you know? No, well, and Pat Riley's there. I mean, that that yeah, was yeah. the whole that was all the talk. There's like after 2011, is Pat Riley going to Pat Riley gonna coach? Yeah, he's going to coach his team. And I think if anything, Pat Riley gave the tools to Eric Spolster, and Spolster's been able to execute them. And he's got the respect of the locker room and the Heat culture, as they call it. It obviously works because Jimmy Butler was the guy, the pariah that no one wanted to play with and ruins yeah. every locker room. And yeah. he's in Miami right now, fist pounding D Wade and uh, talking about. I think. 
I've said a lot of things on this podcast that I regret. Uh, I think number one of all time is when I said Jimmy Butler is like Jordan Warov. <laughs> I want to formally apologize to Jimmy Butler for that one. Um, but it could be taken, depending on how you be. Yeah, Jordan like it Wara, on, if, if you yeah. did not watch a little yeah. basketball and you just looked at the headlines, you'd be like, that's a pretty nice compliment. Yeah, like, I felt like he was <laughs> like, yeah, the Jordan, yeah, I didn't mean for it to be completely an insult, but yeah, uh, the comparison at all is weird. All right, quickly, Tate, uh, one last thing before we get to this this uh Asheville bubble situation one my final thought on the playoffs uh, I want to do an AP poll update because we did this a few weeks ago and um I don't know I it, it, we, we just can't get our minds off college basketball anytime I watch basketball I got to mm-hmm. contextualize it through college lens mm-hmm. so my AP poll update I think the Heat have to be number one if I'm voting for the teams in the bubble how they're playing in the bubble the Heat haven't lost in the playoffs the only undefeated team in the playoffs they're up Two games to none on the number on the number one team in the NBA, the team that coming into the bubble was supposed to kind of sort. They actually were though, like like weren't all the the ESPN BPI, which we we all know and love because it said Marquette was the number four team in the country last year. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't didn't like all those metrics say that the Bucks had the best chance because they're in the East and then the Lakers and Clippers were yeah, right? two and three, yeah. So like coming into the bubble, the Bucks were supposed to be. One of the best teams, and the Heat are up two on them. So I got the I got the Heat number one. I got mm-hmm. the Celtics got to be number two, even though they lost tonight. They're 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 point five seconds away from also being undefeated. I'm probably putting the Clippers at three. After they beat the hell out of the Nuggets, they 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 were a little rocky against the Mavs, but I really felt like they were controlled that whole series as well. And I, and it seems like they're coming into form. Then I'm probably doing Lakers. Mm. And then after that, I don't really care. Maybe I guess Nuggets have to be five. Raptors. <laughs> where do the Raptors fall in? I don't know. Yeah. Bucks. Bucks and Rockets are definitely the last two. That's all I say. So <laughs> they're definitely my last two. And, and you know what's crazy about that? It's like I could totally be convinced that those two teams are in the finals. You know what I mean? And I don't. I don't really say that lightly. I just say that's how I feel like the bubble has fluctuated back and forth times. Yeah. Uh, if I were able to give my number one uh, AP poll vote, it would go to the Celtics right now. I think that they are. Mm, mm-hmm. um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Kimball Walker are all isolation. Uh, we can get a bucket if you need a bucket type guys. Mm-hmm. And they're all legitimate, and uh, I think that the way that they're playing defense as a team, and uh, Tice is a lot better than I thought he was. Uh, I will say that I have I definitely underestimated uh, Daniel Tice. And then, uh, yeah, the Bucks to me, I still haven't really lost full faith in the Bucks, but uh, I think the Lakers would be two, the Clippers would be three, and those would be my my top three right Your now. Your top three. Uh, yeah, and I and I think uh, Clippers, Lakers, you can throw them up, toss them up. I, I do think they're going to play each other, and I think it'll solve itself out. That's that that'll be fun. no respect for the Heat, none, zero respect. The Heat are Gonzaga in your eyes. They're under. They're Wichita State. They're undefeated. And you're like, yeah, they're San Diego State this past year. They're undefeated. And they're ranked number four in your eyes. I I all I know is that in 2006, I watched an NBA Finals where Dwayne Wade and the Heat were down 0-2, and uh, and everyone <laughs> in the entire world said the Mavs are going to win this. Will it be a sweep? And I feel like this is the other side of that. The Heat fans don't get too high on 2-0. I think all right. uh, that's all I could say. You didn't win in Milwaukee, even though you thought you did. But obviously, Dwayne Wade did not think that. Dwayne Wade thought that he was in Miami. So no, no, it's fine. I still the, have the, hope. The Heat aren't undefeated enough. I get it. <laughs> a little more undefeated for you. Uh, all right, uh, college basketball. Let's let's wrap this thing up. We got to talk about this Asheville bubble situation. Pitch. To explain to me how this is not the worst news of the day. This is not the worst news that has come out uh, uh, in, in in basketball. How is this not worse than the NCAA tournament getting canceled? That the Maui Invitational is going to move to Asheville, North Carolina. We can't go to Asheville. 
Mm. In November or December, it seems like, which will be a little bit chilly. Uh, we'll be near the Appalachian Mountains down there. And uh, Asheville is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful city. Um, I think it's a great setup for, for a basketball extravaganza if you want it to be a Roy Williams extravaganza. Roy Williams is right around, you know, from right around there. Uh, he loves Asheville. I think that this is a North Carolina tournament at the end of the day. If they end up in Asheville, this, this just goes – I know Davidson's also in the tournament as well in the field. So, you know, that lends to them being, uh, you know, in a favorable So does, position. like, UNC Asheville become Chaminade in this scenario? Or does Chaminade I think so. fly all I think, I think either you fly Chaminade and you show some real, like, this is why it's the Maui Invitational, and you give Chaminade a real treatment uh, to what North Carolina, you know, mountain weather looks like. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you do the thing, like you said, you do UNC Asheville, or you try to bring someone bigger, like a Wake Forest, like just someone close. Like, you just, just draw them into the tournament and say, hey, welcome to the Maui Invitational. We will be there. If, if it's in Asheville, yeah. we will be there. I, or I will, be there. I, I, will be, I will be there. I will be wherever it is. Okay. I will be All right. wherever the Maui Invitational We can't be picky about this. If there's yeah. a bubble, if there's a yeah. pod, if there's a, a group of teams that are going to congregate and play basketball – we will be there. This is uh yeah, the, the the rosting updates are like every day it feels like he's like sources are saying that this town, this city is being considered for bubble. It's an option. It's this, not the final option, it's yeah. not the final solution uh for the Maui invitational. There's still fingers crossed. What are the what are the other Maui. bubble suggestions? It's it's like Orlando has been thrown out. I think uh Mohegan Sun we saw. Mm -hmm. Uh Indianapolis has been thrown out, has it not? I yeah, the NCAA, Absolutely. yep. There's yeah. a massive convention center in downtown Indianapolis. I don't know if that mm -hmm. matters. There's also, like, you can just play it in high school games. You can just play it in Hendricks County, where I'm from, and just there are, like, three massive gyms just in that mm -hmm. county alone. Um, mm -hmm. So you can play it there. <laughs> uh, you can really play it anywhere, right? Like, I mean, what 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 are the, the factors that go into this? I don't know. but it, The factors that go into it is, uh, do we know of an arena and a space that is open and that we have connections to already? Like, Dave Odom is who runs the Maui no, Invitational. It, Dave Odom is, you know. Yeah, this, here's, this here's the North other Carolina factor. Ties. Yeah. Does the local government want this to happen? <laughs> Would they be receptive to this? Is, and I think the Maui people are like, eh. Please. Florida, Florida says yes. Florida, there's just a sign that says, "Come on yes. in, wave them in." <laughs> Florida, Texas would be yes as well. Texas, Texas is yes. Texas is like, <laughs> Texas. The answer is yes to everything. Is like, are we allowed to? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can do that unless it's like weed, I guess. <laughs> Which is no, but everything else, sure, why not? Uh, all right. Shoutouts, closeouts before we go. Uh, shout out to Steve Nash, uh, who is going to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Steve Nash has always been uh, just, you know, one of the nicest guys around. He kind of lurked in the shadows, you know, back with the Warriors a little bit and got super close to KD. And then the news came out today that Steve Nash was going to be the head coach. And, and, and in fact, I, I had to like do like a double take on that. I'm like, wait a second. A Bleacher Report soccer analyst, uh, Steve Nash, is That's now Steve going Nash? to be. He's a basketball guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I guess if you just picked up sports, you would be really confused by this. But uh, no, Steve Nash is a great guy, a great coach, I believe, or will be a great coach. And I think it's a good fit, man. I think you need to have personality at the top that gets along and can communicate with certain guys and. Good for good for Steve. I think Nash. it's a good fit too. I I, I really feel like it's uh uh I, they're obviously trying to do a Steve Kerr move here, right? Like that's yeah. The idea. This is the new it's Steve. Like, this is the new yeah. Steve Kerr. Um, it's not Jason Kidd though. That, that's what yeah, they're saying. That's the, is this is this more Jason Kidd or Steve Kerr? Is this Mark Jackson or Steve Kerr? What do you what do you what do you feel like it is? Uh his temperament, the fact that he's won two MVPs, um, the the fact that that Durant certainly highly respects him and is going to to. 
I'm sure Kyrie does as well. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to work. I, I think it's a great hire. I, I never would have guessed that he was interested in doing this, but um, you know, I, I, I it, it's it's a great lesson yeah. too that like you don't have to play the media game, right? You don't have to do the PR game of like yeah. I'm looking for this. You don't job. have to float like, your name out there. <laughs> yeah, like Steve yeah. Nash was not floating his name. We did not hear anything. He was just like, yeah. I mean, I've been talking to people and uh, it felt like a great job. <laughs> yeah. Um. Shout out. Speaking of speaking of coaching offers and all that. Shout out to Jay Wright who declined. He formally mm. he's de- formally declined, and by that I mean he tweeted it uh, that he is not taking the 76ers job. The dream is dead. Jay Wright will not be in Philadelphia coaching basketball. He will instead be in oh, I guess Philadelphia coaching the basketball. suburbs of yeah, Philadelphia. the suburbs of Philadelphia <laughs> coaching basketball. Uh yeah, this is uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like that he put the statement out. I don't like that he. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like any of this. I, mm-hmm. I talked myself and I think Jay Wright should have gone. I think it would have been fun. I think uh, it would have been cool if he like went to the Sixers and then like somehow came back to Villanova in like four years or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't hope, know. Uh, fingers crossed. That's going to be what John Beeline does is someday. We, uh, yeah. We just need like to shake it up a little bit. I need. I need some. I need. Yeah, we, we we need some content. We need some fresh content here. We need like the, a coaching carousel. We need something. The, the tournament was canceled. I feel like I was deprived of coaches getting fired. I I can't believe Shaka Smart is still at Texas. I thought like something was gonna happen, and nothing's happening, Tate. And I'm I'm just like the guy like just with a stick poking the coaching carousel, saying do mm-hmm. something, please mm-hmm. just do something. And I thought mm-hmm. we really had a chance, but Jay Wright he he doesn't care about my thoughts. Huggy bear to the Sixers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like as you were We're talking about poking someone, I'm like, then I'm watching it. You know what I mean? Then I'm fully in like Bob Huggins sitting on a stool yelling at Joel Embiid like that. That's good for basketball circles. And I, I, uh, fingers crossed. I guess that's just what I'd say is like to these coaches, like stop tweeting out that you're not in, like, let it drag on. Like, please, for Mm. the love of God. I mean, I know you have to say it for recruiting and and all that, but like screw your recruits. We're more important. And and, and we have to say it's not over, right? Just because a statement has been put out. Great point. That does not mean that it's over. Great point. It's a soft verbal at the very least. That's That's all it is. Uh, What else we got? Uh, we got a shout out to John Morant, uh, mm. a guy that went to Murray State, a guy that uh, you know got a triple double in the NCAA tournament not too long ago, and decided to jump to the NBA. Gets ninety nine out of a hundred votes for Rookie of the Year. There is one person out there that is a Duke fan that voted for Zion Williamson as first place there, which is crazy because he didn't even finish in second place. Kendrick Nunn from the Miami Heat did. Um, and I don't know what else to say other than congrats to John Morant. And the one person that didn't vote for John Morant, who is it? Who is this person? Reveal who is your Zion defender? Yeah. Uh, come out, put yourself out there because John is unanimous. They actually did vote for Zion. We know that much. It was it was a vote for Zion Williamson. Hmm. Does Seth Davis have a vote? <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> you know what's hilarious? I spent like twenty. I spent too much time uh, trying to figure out who the voters were, and it's uh, it's anonymous. Yeah. It's always, it's always anonymous. It's yeah. Um, F Mary kills Zion jaw and Michael Porter jr. Mm. Mm. <laughs> jaw ja, and jaw. Ja, all three. Oh, I want jaw. Keep jaw. Uh, what else do I got on my list here? Oh, Purdue day of giving is next Wednesday. <laughs> we're we're going to do one more show before then, but uh, I just want to get this on everyone's radar because, uh, the 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 haters are saying that the Purdue Day of Giving is not going to be as strong this year because of coronavirus. Because like people, you know, it's hard times out there. Some people have been laid off and and furloughed and whatnot. Um, the haters are saying it's not happening, but at the same time, Matt Painter, uh, whoever else are the coaches at Purdue, 
Uh, <laughs> everyone <laughs> else at Purdue. Yeah. Uh, well, no, what's his Brom, right? That's the mm-hmm. football coach. Uh, mm-hmm. Or Brom. How, he's Brom. He's I Brom. Think he's, Br- he, he's Brom. Steve Prom. Yeah, Prom is. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very confusing. Uh, they they all took pay cuts. Uh, they, I don't I don't know if that counts as the Purdue Day of Giving, but I have a feeling that if the numbers aren't right at the end of the Purdue day of giving, they're going to throw that into the Purdue day of giving and, and count it and boost it up and say, we set a new record, but yeah, all eyes are on West Lafayette to see is a new record going to be shattered uh, with the Purdue day of giving. So that's next Wednesday, mark your calendars. I can't wait. It's one of Fingers my favorite days of the year. Uh, Purdue university says, give us money and all the dweebs, all the engineering dweebs. Mm. Say okay. Here's our money. You can. There you have go. It. Yeah, we're building Just, infrastructure in this. Country. We will give yeah, you money yeah. if you continue to tell every to remind everyone that Neil Armstrong went here. <laughs> yeah, we went to space. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome for you know the new frontier. Uh, yeah, shout out to Purdue Day of Giving. Uh, I think that's a great. I, I, in fact, I, I talked to Robbie Hummel today, uh, who was bragging about you know playing golf and you know he's going to hit this great shot to an island. I was like, yes, Robbie. And then he reported, no, it did not go great. So uh, Rob, Robbie, Robbie is not a part of <laughs> the Purdue Day of Purdue. Giving. That is yes. a Purdue update. There you uh, go. What, what else? Is that it? Uh, shout out to Hubie Brown quickly. Uh, I saw the OG Ananobi play apparently was an inbounds play for uh, that was you know made up by Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown's a great coach. What, like throw it to the wide open guy in the corner? That was Hubie Brown's idea? Well, it, you know what's funny? Like not not to – this is a lowercase level goat, but like the reason that OG was so open is because Jason Tatum let him go. Like Jason Tatum yeah, tried did. to call for a switch, uh, and uh, it did not work out that way. Jalen Brown was late coming over. Uh, but Hubie Brown, great play call. Nick Nurse, great job drawing it up. And OG Ananobi, great job making the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, give the people uh, as a parting thing. What What are you watching? What are mm. you What are you into? What are get, do Do a recommendation real quick. And by the people, I mean myself. I need something to watch on like Netflix or something. Yes. Up. Yeah, so basically, there's a show on Netflix that's called Top Boy, and uh, it's a 2019 show, but there's also a BBC version that came out in 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. You can watch the Top Boy Summer House, which is like, it's basically The Wire, but in London is the best way to describe it. The Wire, and, but it is scripted. And it's scripted, and yeah, it's yeah. a great series. Uh, it's actually produced by Drake and Future. Oh, uh, I'm in then. I'm uh, in <laughs> I'll do, and let me just tell you, the original series, like the BBC version that is also on Netflix, is Top Boy Summer House. It's a great lead up to the show. Uh, and the, the, the languages uh, and just like all the fanfare and all the just the, the London shit that you're going to get. They have, they have the accents? Oh yeah, I mean the people are speaking patois and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, they, so they have the accents, but they're like talking shit like yeah, like it's they're, clo- yeah, they're yeah, London yeah. gangsters. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah, love bro. that because it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. come yeah, on, like bro. You, yeah, yeah, you sound yeah. funny, but you're you're hard. Like you're saying yeah. hard words, but yeah. You, you you're gonna hear you're gonna sound. hear bruv, uh, bruv probably bruv. yeah like a hundred times you're gonna hear wagwan which is like you know Pat's that what's sounds going offensive wagwan yeah. sounds like I don't know much about that word but uh, that sounds it's like... it's what's going on but it's just one word <laughs> they're, they're, that really? yeah that's what wagwan wagwan oh jeez all right so top boy that's a great one and uh top the haunting boy. of hill house i rewatched that recently it's a great show all right my so recommendation is uh completely different from that i watched uh <laughs> love on the spectrum on netflix um the autistic kids in australia trying to trying to find love it is like the most heartwarming thing if, if you're like if you feel like uh the world is suffocating you and you just like want to feel good don't watch top boy don't watch top boy (laughs) watch love on the spectrum watch these people searching for love and they're just the most wholesome people you want to reach through the television just give them a big hug Mm -hmm. they're they're the kind of people that you just want like you just want to ask them like whatever it is you want your life 
I want to do all I can <laughs> to give it to you because you deserve it. You're the best. Um, I don't know. I really like the show, that. but love that. Love uh, that. All right. I think that's the show. I think that's it. Uh, thanks to Zach Schwartz for joining us talking <laughs> Arizona state. Thank you guys to listening, uh, for listening. I guess we'll be back next week. That's how this works, right? Yeah. Bang. Bang.